Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, Friday, August the 6th, 2021. Welcome inside the Ellis Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Let's talk about getting your mind right. Summer is winding down here in Texas. Some of the kiddies have already gone back to school. And within the next week or two, everybody's going to be back in school. Well, not the parents. I think some parents are pretty happy about it. School is back in session. From what I understand, there are no virtual classes being held, at least in our area of the world. Hope everything is well with you and yours. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio, coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Been trying to get on a little bit of a regular schedule and pretty proud. I've done a reasonably fair job of it. Pressure, worry, anxiety, fear, and dread. Well, there's been a whole lot of that in the last year and a half, more so than normal, probably. Folks that are way smarter than me say that the human brain three pounds 15 centimeters of incredible processing power it's about the size of two clenched fists which may be a fitting comparative measurement for a lot of us because i think a lot of us go through life with our minds clenched that is the opposite of having or getting our minds right When I think about getting your mind right, I think about the Old Testament figure, King Saul, early in his reign with Samuel as his mentor, God's prophet. Saul, he was this great warrior for Israel, conquered enemies, made all kinds of progress in creating a nation out of the 12 tribes. And then David entered the picture. And Saul began to show signs of emotional distress and anxiety. According to 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, it was made worse because God's spirit left due to his own self-centeredness. And ironically, it was only David's harp playing that seems to have driven the demons away, according to verse 23. Growing up, it was, I think it was my first encounter with the power of music and helping us get our minds right. You know, I've wondered what influence that may have had on my lifelong love affair with music. I know this much. My life would be significantly less calm, less thoughtful, less, less whatever else might describe good feelings without music. In fact, as I was preparing for today's show, I was listening to Jackson Brown's latest record, Downhill from Everywhere. And while I do not agree with Jackson's liberal politics, but that's just a perspective rather than some agenda, because as you well know, I am apolitical. 
Jackson, he's very political, but I love his voice. I love his music. Yeah, so I can overlook what I might disagree with, and I can enjoy the man's talent because when it comes to music, well, and even when it comes to his music, I am able to keep my mind right, thanks in large part to his beautiful melodies. I can't think of any phrase that involves getting your mind right without thinking of Struther Martin's character in Cool Hand Luke starring Paul Newman. Because you're going to get your mind right. And I mean right. <laughs> Paul Newman's character, Luke, he's in this prison chain gang. He's popular with all the other inmates because, well, he's so cool, man. He's cool hand Luke and he's constantly escaping, but he just refuses to break under the pressure of the warden played by Struther Martin, that voice you heard in that clip, but the guards and the warden, they are constantly exhorting Luke to get his mind right. They are punishing him. They are whipping him. They are making him work slavishly. And the translation for him to get his mind right means stop giving us trouble. Just do what you are told. Well, today, when I'm thinking about us getting our mind right, I don't mean it that way. So let's talk about, let's talk about what it might really mean to, well, have your mind right to get your mind right. And maybe first we have to just think about having our mind wrong. And as is sometimes the case, not often, but as is sometimes the case, this is one of those, this is one of those episodes that I've, I've pondered for, for a long, long time. And I, I'm not going to profess that there's anything necessarily new here. Um, this is just hopefully to help us gain some insight you know, there's so many things in life that we just need to be reminded of from time to time. And when it comes to getting your mind right, when it comes to the way that we think and the choices that we make in the way we think, I'm just compelled to start by all of the, just all of the examples around us of people who just have their mind wrong, people who have made up their mind to think in a way that is just not helpful at all, downright detrimental. Having a conversation with a client yesterday, and for some reason the topic came up of people who choose to live their life as victims. And in the conversation was brought up the reality that there are people, there are absolutely people, lots of people on the planet who have been victimized and suffered some horrific, horrific circumstances and situations that were not their fault. And yet some of them just choose to move on and get past it. I was watching some documentary the other day and in it, they were interviewing a man who was, he was a much older man. He appeared to be probably in his late forties, maybe even early fifties. And his own family had basically sold him into slavery. Now this, this was a, this was a, a, a kid who at the age of five remembers being taken to a truck stop 
and sold for sex. Five years old. And you just, you watch and you look and you're thinking, how did, how did he, how did he recover? Here he is now a middle-aged guy and his, well, you can probably guess what you, what his life's mission is. He's, he's doing everything in his power to combat this and to point out this is happening here in America. And yes, he's white, but from the time that he was five until he was maybe preteens, if not early teens, that was his life. That was his life being sold to perverted men one after the other, after the other, after the other. And you're like, how do you recover from that? Because he made his mind up. Now I don't profess to understand how he made his mind up, but you watch him and you listen to him and they showed snippets of him being on stage in front of people. And you're like, man, good for him. I mean, that, that could have turned out so differently, but he came to grips. He got his mind right. And a big part of getting his mind right, according to his story by his own admonition was, or his own admission was the fact that he knew he didn't do it. He knew he was taken advantage of. He knew that he was in a situation over which he had no power. So it happened. It is part of his reality. It is also the reason that he's on this journey that he's on to point this out and to combat this at every turn. And then you think of people who, well, you know, mom slided me, dad slided me, grandmother slided me, grandfather slided me, and my life is ruined. And it's like, and that was the conversation with my client. We were kind of discussing a fascination of how resilient, how incredibly resilient some people are, AKA this gentleman who had been sold into sexual slavery from the time he was five, who overcame that to the people who make a different choice, a choice that even the most innocent of indignities they will forever remember it. They will forever live their lives based on it. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. We just, we know that it's true. So I get fascinated with the concept of getting your mind right of how can we make sure that we're the former, not the latter. How can we make sure that we are more like the middle-aged guy who overcame all of these atrocities that were committed against him as a kid. And yet he comes out the other end, a very driven, productive person versus someone that may have just suffered some innocent slight, but cannot get over it. Well, more accurately will not get over it. I think a big part of this is just, Humanity is just our being human. I would that every human being were a good human being. I, I would that every parent were a great parent, but we're not, we're not, we mess up. 
We don't always get it right. Even if we are dedicated and determined to get our mind right, we don't always get it right, meaning our behavior, our choices, our actions. We mess up. We mess up. And sometimes when we mess up, there are people in our lives who can't get their mind right enough to even give us enough consideration to understand we screwed up and beg for forgiveness is long and as loud and as often as you want. And sometimes it can fall on deaf ears. I don't know, but I do know that getting your mind wrong is destructive first and foremost to yourself and then to all of those that are around you. And there are countless people who do have their mind wrong. How do we get our mind wrong? For years, I have told clients that I coach, I do leadership coaching. And I typically work with higher end leaders. I work with people that are director or senior vice president and above. The only time that I work with people at lower levels of leadership are those people that are on the leadership teams of those people that I'm serving. And that's frankly, not very often. I would say a quarter of the time, maybe. And as I'm dealing with these people, these high achievers and these people who have scads of people who report to them, the very first place that we begin is how are, how are we thinking? How, how do we see ourselves? How do we see ourselves in the world? How do we see where we fit? How do we see where we're making a difference? And while leadership is very focused on others, it has to begin with a focus on ourselves because, well, we have to take care of ourselves and we've got to put ourselves in the right spot so that we can properly serve others. And it's not a self-centered kind of a thing. But I have this progression, I call it, of leadership, and it begins with humility. And the second step is curiosity. And in every single case of leadership failure, I will be able to point it back to a lack of humility. So when we get our mind wrong, I believe, based on my experience, not only with just my life, but with the observation of what goes on in the lives of others, we get our mind wrong when we get ourselves focused on ourself and humility goes out the window. Our leadership problems, our relationship problems, our professional, our personal problems stem from a loss of humility or a lack of humility because out, out the window goes curiosity Here's the progression very simply starts with humility, which leads to curiosity. Why? Well, because I'm humble enough to realize I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. So how can I learn? I can embrace curiosity. Guess what that fosters? Yeah, you guessed it. Questions, questions for the purpose of trying to gain some knowledge, which is the next step. Number three, knowledge so that I can get to the fourth step which is understanding. Well, why do I need to understand? Well, I don't unless I want to be able to get to the pinnacle. And that is that fifth one. And that is compassion. If I really want to understand what's going on with you, I can do that. 
but it begins with humility and curiosity and me learning more about what's going on with you. That can lead to understanding. And that's the only way that I'm ever going to get to compassion. Judgment is what we mostly do. And judgment is how we can get our mind wrong. Because judgment's easy. Compassion's hard. We got to work at it. We got to check our ego at the door. We got to ask questions. We got to be interested. We got to get a focus off of ourselves and we got to get the focus on them so that we can understand what is going on with them. How can I understand them? Because once I understand them, now I can deploy compassion. Have you ever misjudged anybody? Of course you have. We've all done it. Lack of humility. Lack of humility. We didn't understand. We lost our curiosity. We assumed, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's going on here. Only to find out, no, not so much. That's not what's going on at all. You don't have your mind right. You're jumping to a conclusion, and you don't have the first clue. And it's what we do. Why is getting your mind right so important? Because of perspective and vision. Why is perspective and vision so important? Because it drives all of our behavior. The way we think drives our behavior. A lot of folks love to quote the scripture, you know, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And many people live by the philosophy that, you know, you become what you think about. Well, you might, and you might not. I can sit around and think all day about being invisible, but I'm never going to become invisible. So there's limits to this stuff. However, I don't think we can, I don't think that we really have a full grasp. I certainly don't profess that I do. There may be neuroscientists and other people who do. I struggle with properly understanding the power, the incredible power of our mind. And yet I'll be the first to throw out the phrase. I've just discovered that there are few things as powerful as a mind made up. And that can work for a negative and it can work for a positive. A person who has their mind wrong, that is, they just, they, they don't see the world clearly. They don't see the world accurately. They choose to see themselves as being victimized. They choose to see that everything that happens in their life is someone else's fault. There are plenty of people walking around the planet that live that way. They choose to live that way. That is true for them. That is their reality. But that doesn't make it empirically true. It just means it's true for them because they choose to make that their truth. Why? I don't know. I often look at stuff like that and I think, man, you know, it could, it, it could just be so much better. Uh, why, why, why wouldn't a person choose to be better? And then I look in the mirror and I realize that there are times that I may be thinking something that's not particularly helpful for me. Whether it's a self-limiting belief, whether it's a lack of confidence, whether it's, it's underselling things that I just know and things that are easy, you know, you get to be my age and I have found that this is true with people, particularly in their fifties and sixties and beyond that we, we gain some skills and some insight and some experience and you begin to realize that there are some things that just aren't that difficult for you anymore. They may have once been, but that's been so long ago. You may even struggle to remember. 
And now, because they are relatively easy and perhaps natural, especially if you're able to find your element, as Sir Ken called it, that intersection between your natural aptitude and what you love, if you can find that, if you're fortunate enough, if you're dedicated enough, if, if you're whatever enough to discover that place where those intersect, your element, the zone, flow, call it whatever you will, if you're lucky enough to find that, fortunate enough to find that, you can discount the skill that you have because it's not that hard. And in your head, you can, you can begin to, well, you can have your mind wrong. You can think, oh, this isn't anything special. Listen, I felt that way for a number of years, even in this work of leadership coaching because the people skills, the relationship skills and things that I have worked at all my life and because of my empathy are relatively easy for me because they do come naturally. It's easy to think, well, everybody knows this only to learn. No, not so much, not so much. I'm a noticer. I'm with a client the other day, it's on a zoom call and I just see a micro expression, but it's not an expression I've seen before. It's emotion. It's emotion and a work situation is being described. And I notice it right off the bat, but I don't say anything. I continue to listen. I continue to listen. I see it. There it is again. It's some bottom lip thing. It's not quite a quiver, but it's almost. And at some point I make a comment and I say, tell me about this emotion. Tell me what you're feeling. And they begin to tell me. And I said, am I, am I, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Because I think I'm seeing this has hurt you. And the client says, yeah, yeah. I can't help but notice that kind of, of a thing. I lived my whole life until about a decade ago thinking everybody's got that ability (laughs) until finally I had a friend and I'd done a number of self-assessments and whatnot. And I just noticed stuff and it was just always kind of perplexing to me that I would notice something that just stuck out like a sore thumb to me and other, many other people around me were what, what, what are you talking about? Can't help but notice. I jokingly will tell some people it's, I feel like that kid on the sixth sense, you know, everywhere I look, I see dead people. I don't, thankfully I don't see dead people, but everywhere I look, I see things. I just observe things and I don't work at it. I don't, it's not some conscious thing that I do all that to say this, we can have our mind wrong when whatever it is that comes naturally to us. And in this case, it does intersect with what I care about. I do care about relationships. I do care about helping people. And so paying attention and noticing when someone seems to be upset. And it seems to me based on the context of the conversation and what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing that they're not upset in a hysterical kind of way, but they're upset in that they're hurt. They're hurt. They they've taken this thing very, this has touched them in a significant way, don't discount 
don't discount your natural aptitude, even though it's easy for you. Don't, don't have your mind wrong in thinking, eh, this is no big deal because it very well may be the thing that you can best use to help other people. So there's that getting your mind right. As I'm thinking about it today is thinking in a way that is productive for our growth and our improvement. And it is not a self-centered growth and improvement, but it is our growth and improvement. And it begins with us so that we can in turn help and benefit other people to grow and improve themselves. And it's not that we do it for them. I've learned over the course of a dozen years or so in coaching other people, it's not about doing it for them. It is about helping them do it for themselves. And that's not necessarily an easy task and not everybody is capable of doing it, but I can tell you, boy, it's terrific work. It is, it is terrific. When you see the lights come on, it's terrific. When you see somebody figure it out, it's terrific when you can point out a viewpoint, a perspective that they may have never otherwise considered. So many things in our life are a choice and it's, it's, it's increasingly fascinating to me that we don't often think that it's a choice. We just see things in so, in so black and white so many times. I very often use a road rage example person runs us off the road. They cut us off, whatever. And we immediately go to a bad place in our head. We immediately think the worst. We, we don't immediately think poor fella on the way to the hospital, on the way to a dying loved one. We don't think that anything that might cause us to give due consideration to that person and have compassion is out the window. We don't tend to go there. We tend to immediately go to, he's a dirty, rotten scoundrel. He could be, but what if he's not? What if there is some emergency? We tend to think, who does he think he is? He thinks he's more important than I am. He thinks he, he thinks he deserves to be in front of me. He doesn't think that my schedule is more important than his. He thinks his schedule is more important than all the rest of us out here on the road. Could be, but as we get all wrapped around the axle, getting worked up because he cut us off in traffic. Meanwhile, he's miles up the road, hoofing it. No clue about us. Meanwhile, we're back here fuming and that hurts him. How? And for me, there's the rub. The rub is getting your mind right is about you. It's about me getting my mind right. It's about you getting your mind right for you. Me getting my mind right for me. Because the guy up the road who's cut us off in traffic, it's no difference to him. Makes no bit of difference to him. You think whatever you want to think. Get as worked up as you want to get. It's not impacting his life. But you could choose compassion. You could choose to tell yourself a story, even a story that may not be true, because the fact is you don't know and you don't have any way of knowing why he is behaving the way he's behaving. But I think about us and I think about who we serve and I think about who's benefited. And I see all the people on the planet who have embraced bitterness and being victimized and living their life dedicated, dedicated to that viewpoint. 
And I think, you know, even if it's right, even, even if as this now middle-aged guy, you were sold by your own family to be a sexual slave to these deviant men in truck stops from five to 13. Um, and yet you choose to put that behind you knowing that of all the people on the planet, you are in a position to know firsthand. And you think of all the other children who've been abused in that and many other ways. And you think, you know, I could, I can be a voice for these people because Lord willing, many of them are going to grow up and they're going to be adults and they can grow up and they can be severely damaged or they can grow up and understand you can come out the other side because now that you're of age, guess what you have the power to do now. You have the power to get your mind right and to be productive and to improve things and to grow and to help other people do the same thing. It was just, it's such a powerful thing. The mind I've said for years, if I had been smarter and more attuned to what I wanted to do at a younger age, and I lacked both. So there's that I would have absolutely, I would have absolutely dove into the deep end of the pool in neuroscience and psychology. No question. No question. But didn't have the brain power. Didn't have the, uh, well, I just didn't have the knowledge. Had the interest, but man, not, not in a technical way. Was always interested in watching people observe it, And I've done that since I can remember. I, in fact, I can't remember not doing it. But as I think about our minds being right and our minds being wrong, and I look at people who have destroyed their lives, and I see people, so as we go to church, there's an underpass, and there's the typical panhandlers. They put a sign up recently that you couldn't do it without a license, which I didn't realize there was a license you could get. Huh. A, a, a legal permit to panhandle, but evidently there is. and It doesn't, didn't matter hasn't stopped them. But I look at these people and I wonder what, what's their story? What is their story? And I'm reminded of number of documentaries and books that I've read about these people. There, there was a fellow and I used to follow him. He had a terrific website. It's since been taken down, but he would, he would roam the streets of Detroit. He was a young guy and he would shoot up close black and white photographs of people looking squarely into the camera. And these were incredibly detailed. I mean, you could see every wrinkle, every freckle. It was, they were magnificent, magnificent. I think he went on and did some professional photography may still be doing it, but man, I would go and I would, I would look, I would scour his blog anytime a new photograph was released and they were just remarkable. And these were all people who were living on the streets of Detroit, Michigan. And of course I don't have to tell you the winters in Detroit are not mild. And some of these would be taken in summer. Some would be taken in the fall, spring and the winter. And you would just look into these faces and I would think, man, what there, there's so many stories here and I don't know what the stories are. And sadly, yes, many of the stories deal with mental illness, 
Many of the stories deal with drug addiction, alcohol addiction. In fact, the vast majority involve one or all three. So I have found, and it poses the question of our ability to get our mind right. Is it possible that we have among us citizens who are roaming these streets and they're just not able to get their mind right? Whether mental illness or whether alcohol or drug abuse can't get their mind right. The mind that could have been right, the mind that could get right, it can no longer get right. I'm not sure the answer. I have talked to some psychologists and psychiatrists. I've talked to some people who have studied neuroscience, and I'm pretty regularly told it's a good question. And frequently I'm told, don't know, don't know. We can certainly know that with some chemical inducements and things, that things can be really difficult, that the mind changes, brain chemistry changes, can certainly make things difficult, impossible, don't know. Everybody's different. People are different. Brain chemistry is different. People's background and environment and whatever else is involved in making us who we are, it's different. But it seems to me that it should be all the more reason for us to make sure that we get our mind right, that we keep our mind right, that we protect ourselves, that we protect our mental wellness, our mental health, that we protect our intellect, that we protect the emotional side of ourselves, that we protect ourselves from bitterness and from too much anxiety and too much fear, and too much dread, and too much worry, and too much pressure. Understanding that those things have a really negative impact on us, and yet we need a degree of them to function in our lives. I need enough fear to prevent me from stepping out into traffic. I need enough worry or dread or pressure to be a productive person. And some of us have enough of that, that we not only want to be productive, but we would like to be high performing. Not everybody does, but some of us do. But at some point, these things become detrimental. And we know that things like bitterness, there's no upside to bitterness. Harsh, critical judgment, unfounded, jumping to conclusions, making false assumptions about people. Well, we don't think they're false. There's no upside to that. Nobody wins from that. Nobody benefits from that. I can show you how fear can benefit even the smallest child who learns to be afraid of fire or water, but not a paralytic kind of a fear, a respect, a I'm going to keep my distance kind of a fear. Helpful. So when we think about getting our mind right, getting our mind wrong, yeah, it's about you. It's about you. It's all about you. Now, it doesn't stop there, but it's all about you in that you've got to take care of yourself. And how can you be productive? How can you grow? How can you learn? How can you improve? How can you get better? How can you fix what you got wrong? How can you repent? Meaning, how can you make up your mind? I'm not going to do that again. How can you, how can you square up the wrongs that you've committed? You can't go back and undo everything, but you can certainly repent. You can certainly seek forgiveness. You can certainly express remorse. 
And as a result, learn and grow. Oh, I get that we're in this woke society and we want to cancel anybody and everybody for sins that they committed 20 years ago. Uh, We can do that. Well, we are doing that. Whether we can or not, we're doing it. We're cutting nobody any slack at any point for anything. And yet we're very hypocritical in our judgment. Then there are other people that we can applaud some of the most perverse, abhorrent behavior on the planet while simultaneously taking some really minor infraction that somebody did when they were a kid. And well, they need to lose everything they have ever achieved in life. They need to be reduced to rubble. We can do that. And we are doing that. It's not helpful. Talk about not getting your mind right. Talk about getting your mind wrong. Well, hello, 2021. We have achieved it. We're there. As a collective, we've largely got our minds wrong. But no big surprise. I'll be the voice here telling you it's largely idolatry. It's largely humanism. It's largely us believing that we are God. We're powerful. And there's the paradox. As usual, I buried the lead. There's the paradox. In refusing to serve ourselves enough to get our mind right so that we can be productive and grow and learn and improve, we've lost our way of self-discipline and temperance and self-control and surrender, mostly surrender, to a God in heaven who created us all. And as a result, we've got our mind all wrong. We've got it all wrong but we think it's all, all so right that we've got this figured out. What are you doing to get your mind right? What are you doing to see your place in the world and how you fit in the world and how you make a difference and how God created you and put you here not to pursue your own selfish interests, not for you to heap upon yourself whatever you lust after, but to be of significant value to other human beings who are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, and that is just trying to get through the world, trying to get from this world to the next. Because you do know the journey is from here to eternity, to get from this life to the next, and to do that successfully, which means to one day go to where God is in heaven and not to spend eternity with Satan and all of his angels who seek to have us get our mind wrong. Well, I'm not going to apologize for the sermon, (laughs) the sermon that unfolded. It's not exactly where I set out to take it, but it's where it ended up. And I don't regret it. Because it's really important. And I fear that we don't, we don't give it quite 
the thought maybe that we should. And I'm talking to myself too. To think about the fact that this life is not all there is. And I, I realize some of you, maybe many of you, think that it is. I would urge you to reconsider. I would urge you to spend some time with the book and read the scripture. See if it has some impact in helping you get your mind right so that you can live a better life, so that you can help other people do the same. Because we're just trying to get from here to there. Preachers say if you miss heaven, you've missed it all. And they're right. My name's Randy Kentrell. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.